Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And today, for week two in our Prayers and Scripture series, we are joined by New York Times best-selling author of The Circle Maker, Mark Batterson. Mark is actually the author of 23 books, including his most recent release, Win the Day. He is also the lead pastor at National Community Church in Washington, D.C. Mark has given much of his life to the study and conversation and thought of prayer. And we're going to really get to reap the benefits of the time that he has spent thinking about this topic and studying this topic in today's episode. Y'all, Mark is so kind and so thoughtful, and I super enjoyed this episode. Let's get right to it. Mark Batterson, what a joy to have you on the She Reach Truth podcast. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. It's a joy and excited about our time together. Well, you are definitely a person who comes to mind for many of us in the church when we think about this topic that we're talking about today, about prayer. You've devoted a lot of time Mm -hmm. and ink and energy to talking about the subject of prayer. And I would love to know, just as we start, like, why? What is it about prayer that has so captivated you and the work that you do? I would go back to one of my early memories of my grandfather praying. He was hard of hearing. So at night, he would kneel next to his bed. He would take off his hearing aid. He couldn't hear himself, but everybody else in the house could. And there were these moments of just hearing my grandfather literally pray for me. And he died when I was six, but his prayers did not die. There is no expiration date on prayer. And there have been moments in my life where I felt like the Holy Spirit has said, Mark, the prayers of your grandfather are being answered in your life right now. And so I, I would just ask those who are listening, has there ever been a moment when you had an undeserved or unexpected blessing And you know you really didn't have anything to do with it. My hunch is that you are the answer to someone else's prayer. And so I feel like I inherited a legacy of prayer. And that early memory probably shaped me more than even what I was was aware of as just a young child. Of course. Oh, what a cool story and a powerful image of what it looks like to be a praying person. I mean, your grandfather, what's beautiful. And now my mind is already reeling. We're 60 seconds into the conversation, but talking about that, the concept that prayer doesn't have an expiration date and that the prayers we pray, you know, I think it can be hard to, and, you know, for me personally, to kind of think of prayer and answers to prayer outside of the concept of like linear time mm-hmm. <laughs> and like a timeline, you yeah. know, or an expiration date. Like I think of of prayers as being urgent, which they are, but also the Lord is sovereign and king of all, not just people, not just nations, but all time and space mm-hmm. and creation, right? And so I think that's a really great segue into a lot of what we're going to read today and this week. 
I want stories, not for my own glory, but for the Lord's. Like, I want those to be the stories that are told about me. Like, I remember hearing my mom pray yeah. or hearing my grandma pray or like the prayers of her. Like, mm-hmm. not again, not about me, but I want to be counted faithful. And I want yeah. Jesus to make me the kind of prayer that only he can make me. Yeah. Mm. And prayer, just to kind of seed our faith a little bit, I do think that prayer turns ordinary people into prophets who shape the destiny Mm. of other people. And, you know, we tend to think right here, right now, God is thinking nations and generations. And I think one of the exciting moments in eternity, I envision a giant blackboard where God connects (laughs) the dots between our prayers and then the things that he answered, you know, Mm. sometimes generations or nations Mm -hmm. away. And I know that there are some specific scriptures we're going to get into, but can I just share this? There's a little phrase for David's sake that pops up in the Old Testament frequently. And there's a specific instance when I think uh, it might've been Jotham, who was the king of Judah, maybe the fifth king. And he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. But there's a verse that says, nevertheless, I will not destroy Judah for David's sake. It's 117 years after David has died. David is long gone, but the Lord is still honoring his legacy. And so, you know, I hope and pray that the Lord would just fuel our prophetic imagination today to dream a little bit bigger, pray a little bit harder, think a little bit longer in Jesus' name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I can't remember it, and so I won't even attempt, but there's a C.S. Lewis quote where it's like you're, and I think he's talking about desires, but I think he also says it about other things, and so this makes me think your prayers. The problem is not that our prayers are too big. It's that they're too small, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he says that about, the problem is not that our desires are too big and mm-hmm. too small, and so we'll probably get there because some of these passages get to it, but I find that's part of my own struggle as I struggle to pray bold prayers. Like, mm-hmm. that's just a thing that I struggle to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know that I can articulate why, so I'm not going to try right now. But <laughs> I do think that, I mean, even just this week, yeah. um, Mark, we're in, this is the second week of our three-week series called Prayers in Scripture. And so this is that middle week. And there are some pretty, I want to say tough passages, but what I mean is there are some sobering examples of Scripture in these readings. So what we're doing, if you all are new to the series this week, in this Scripture reading plan called Prayers in Scripture, we are looking at different narratives in Scripture from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, and we are just reading examples of people praying in Scripture, firstly to learn about who God is, because God is the same God in all of these circumstances of these people Mm -hmm. who are praying either individually or corporately, and also to learn what it looks like, what it can look like to be in conversation with God, which is what prayer is. Mm. And so the very first story that we read, the first narrative we read this week, if you're listening to this on Monday, no, I mean, and this is Jesus approaching his arrest and crucifixion. Mm -hmm. And we read Jesus' prayer in the garden, prayers Mm -hmm. in the garden of Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think we can just dive right in if that's you guys game. I'm game. I'm game. Okay. All let's, right. Can we let's read that account that starting in verse 36. So this is Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36. Mark, would you be willing to read for us? We love it when our friends read scripture mm-hmm. on the podcast. Well, it's I, like our favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me get there. And what's yes. kind of fun is I read through a different translation of the Bible every year. Oh, cool. And, well, I like that idea. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, it was the Amplified, and then mm-hmm. I love the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. And this year, I'm reading through the King James, so I, we're going to get some Ooh. Shakespearean. I'm excited. Okay. It sounds fancier, but yeah. here the reason, <laughs> the reason why I do it is twofold, and I think this is significant. One, different words make our synapses fire in yep. different ways. And so there is something about engaging in scripture with some different translations just to mix it up. But then my prized possession is a grandfather's Bible, 1934 Thompson Chain Reference Bible that's all marked Mm. up, underlined, like pages Mm. falling apart. And uh, it's the same grandfather that prayed for me. Mm. I was just going to ask. I want to read through enough Bibles that are really well marked up that I can mm-hmm. then give them to kids and someday grandkids. And so Amen. that's a little bit of backdrop. I, I love that. I, basically what I'm saying is I love the Bible. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the Sherry Truth Podcast. Yes. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. Okay. Right so place. Matthew, good company. Matthew 26 and starting in verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And saith unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further, fell on his feet face and prayed saying, Oh father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, could ye not watch with me one hour? Uh, Verse 41, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hmm. Now that's kind of a spot there. I can keep going, but is that a spot no, go for ahead. us to maybe uh, hit pause? Let's pause and then finish. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that he was, I don't remember if sorrowful was the first word, but instead of where the CSB says troubled, the KJV said very heavy. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Uh, but that verse 41, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm. Can I share a little context? Please. Mm-hmm. Well, question. Have either of you had the joy of seeing what I think St. Jerome called it the fifth gospel? Have you ever been to Israel? Have you been to Jerusalem? We have. Both of us together. Yeah. Together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I believe it. And I bet it was twice <laughs> as much fun together. It was. Uh, I can't wait. to. Mm-hmm. I want to go back. Mm-hmm. So you've crossed that Kidron Valley 
kind of Mount of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane. And when you're there, it's pretty easy to understand why Jesus loved to go there and pray because Mm -hmm. it was this view over the city. And I have a little formula that I've used for many years that change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. Mm. And I think Jesus would go to this garden. And of course, Gethsemane means olive press. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just olive oil for olive garden. It was sacred (laughs) olive oil. It was actually Mm -hmm. used to anoint the kings of Israel. And there's some significance to that. But I I just Mm -hmm. think, well, we're keeping it real today, right? Let's do. Let's do. (laughs) I During COVID, and everybody experienced that differently, D.C., everything kind of shut down, including the gym that I was a member at. And you know what I discovered? I discovered that if I don't have a place to go work out, I don't work out. (laughs) Valid. (laughs) Um, In the same sense, I need a place to go pray. And I wonder if we just kind of get up in each other's business and ask the question, when and where do you pray? Yeah. Because if you can't answer that, my hunch is it maybe isn't quite the rhythm or routine or habit that maybe it needs to be because you kind of need a win and a where. And it seems like Jesus loved to climb mountains, walk beaches, withdraw to the wilderness. And he loved praying early morning, late at night. And this is one of those late at night, of course, after that last supper. So just a few kind of observations out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. that. And I love just a something to hang on to, you know, like to mm-hmm. me, that sort of also facilitate to change your perspective to just be like, oh, you're giving me a new way to look at this and think of this. And mm-hmm. because prayer for so many of us who, if we've been a Christian for any length of time, you kind of do need, like you mm-hmm. need that space and time, but you also, I think for me anyway, I need to change that space mm-hmm. and time sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I need like a new way to a new approach, so to speak. I've often wondered, just knowing that, like, that wasn't Jesus' first prayer in the garden. You know, this was one of Mm. many. I mean, just knowing the 100% godness of Jesus, just like, what must the other prayers in that garden have been like? Just like imagining Mm. that he knew what would come. And anyway, I also think, Mark, you mentioned having a place and having a rhythm. I remember, Amanda... It was, I think, an Advent episode that we recorded last year. Annie F. Downs was our guest, and she shared with us, and it's always stuck with me, that her routine in the morning is to put the kettle on, and while the water's coming to a boil, she doesn't sit and doesn't do anything else, but she walks up and down her hallway Uh and prays while she waits for the tea kettle to whistle, and she uses that time to talk to the Lord, and then while her tea steeps and those kinds of things. And that made such an impression on me Mm -hmm. last December that since then, I, I don't drink tea in the morning. Morning, but I've I found that in those times of waiting for something like food or drink, that I've kind of used that t- redeemed that time and mm-hmm. gone like, well, I could do this or this, but like, what if I use this time to talk to the Lord? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I love that. If it's good enough for Annie, it's good enough. If it's for good me. enough for Annie, listen. Um, you know what's funny is I do, and that's a classic example of habit stacking. So you couple yes. things. So take one I, thing, yeah. Yeah. And so I think you guys know that we own and operate a a coffee house on Capitol Hill. 
Yeah. And one of my mantras is the Holy Spirit plus caffeine equals awesome. Just putting that out there. All right. Um, all right. I mean, I, this podcast is one example because yeah, we, we're, we, we're never here without so, our coffee. <laughs> so I always get my latte two shots as you both take a sip. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Literally. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like synchronized. Uh, uh-huh. So I always do my Bible reading plan with my latte and it actually, it just, there's something about that. that mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think there's something there. Can I ask a question and I'll maybe give you a second to think about it because I'm really curious. Do you have a favorite place to pray? Because that's kind of what we're, you know, I think Gethsemane was certainly one of those Mm -hmm. spots and I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll give you a second. Like I love going on top of Ebenezer's coffee house and praying on the rooftop. Mm -hmm. I I get like five bars. It's 5G up there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm praying in a place where God is done a miracle. Like we, oh, we yeah. prayed circles around a crack house that then became that coffee house. And so just out of curiosity, is there any place that you kind of, is there an altar you go back to? Is there any place where mm-hmm. you feel like you pray with a little bit more faith? Just a curiosity question. For me, it is twice a day in the car when I'm alone. Like that is my guaranteed alone time to, or I can speak out loud and it's just me and the Lord. And like, it's a habit stacking where like, if I'm headed South on 65 or North on 65, like (laughs) that's my time to not opt into a podcast or Uh music or a phone call or something else. But instead, that's where I get my, Uh it is. That's on my list, too. It's one of the benefits of being, we're both in this phase, Mark, where we have kids who are old enough to be Very active busy. and busy, but not old enough to drive themselves anywhere. <laughs> and so we both are, we're in the car a lot separately yes. going to yep. and from locations. Yep. I think for me, especially when you expounded and said where you pray with a little more faith, for me, that is when I'm walking outside. I think there's something about giving my body something to do so that I, when I'm sitting, to be honest, it's a lot more difficult for Mm -hmm. me to be focused in prayer. And so, but if I'm walking, it's like, okay, well, check. My body is occupied. I'm not distracted by what to do with myself. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about the forward movement Mm -hmm. that makes it feel, I feel like I pray with more power. I don't know Mm -hmm. if, you know, I'm sure there's some sort of psychology of that. But also being in creation, Mm -hmm. being surrounded by that is really powerful for me. And so I actually really struggle. A, there aren't really any private places in my home, like inside our house. Mm -hmm. And so maybe my actual closet, if I would clean it out, I could sit. I think that's what Rebecca Lyons does. Yeah, She goes in her actual closet Mm -hmm. as her prayer closet. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's a challenging one to think Mm -hmm. about, well, if there aren't places and times that come to mind, Mm -hmm. then how often are we praying? Mm And it's yeah. funny even to like think about that and then just go like, even as you're speaking, you managed to go like, but I could think of all these other times where the Lord is like, sure, yeah. and I think that's the beauty of prayer. Like you're intentional and like you have these places and this, these intentional rhythms and set times, but also the Lord is not bound by those. And mm-hmm. like the number of the times that the Lord has met with me and really challenged me mm-hmm. are so far outside of just that. Yeah. Yeah. I love Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, the founders of Methodism, 
Mm-hmm. Now, I think she had 17 kids and a tiny little house and her uh, prayer closet was a rocking chair, just throw a blanket over herself. And the kids knew that this was when and where the mom was praying. their mom was praying. And so, yeah, I just have, I have such a heart for helping people cultivate prayer habits because it's hard, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. like you, Amanda, I pace and pray or I walk mm-hmm. and pray. It's weird. I'm less distracted. Yes, mm-hmm. me but too. And I would also note that Jesus face plants. Like he literally mm-hmm. doesn't just hit his knees, but there's this moment. And, and I would say that body posture creates heart posture. And so mm, my wife, Laura, would always say to our kids, your face tells your body how to feel. And mm. in the same sense, like your body posture, when I'm kneeling, it just elevates my faith because I'm putting myself in a position of, of humility. And when I do that, then it allows God to do something that is more than all I can ask or imagine. And so... Hopefully there's some practice in there that really, and Jesus models it with the way Mm -hmm. that he prays here. Yeah. Yeah. So about his prayer, I mean, we know that the answer from the father is a yes and no, right? Like it's Mm a, you know, we know because Jesus asked three times in this passage for the Lord to take the cup of his suffering, his crucifixion that's to come. If possible, is one thing that he says, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then again, a little bit later, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And then a third time, he asks. And we know, and Mm -hmm. you know, thanks be to God, that he did go to the cross and bear the wrath of, you know, the penalty for our sin. Mm -hmm. And... But the other part of his prayer here is, but do your will, which the Father did. So that was a yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So you're so good, Mark, at you challenge me because the thing that, you know, I've already alluded to, the thing that I struggle with is praying the big, bold prayers. And even when it comes to God's promises and praying those back, I'm internally like hedging my bets on like, but this was, this prayer's for so and so. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, I'm really grateful for that. And how do we do that and also allow God to be God and Mm -hmm. to understand that like part of what I see here in Jesus' prayers is Him asking for a really big thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? But I also see Him in a posture of submission to the Father. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a profound prayer. I would just remind us that prayer is not us outlining our agenda for God. It really is getting into God's word and God's presence and letting God outline his agenda for us. And so I feel like every prayer has to meet a twofold litmus test, has to be in the will of God and for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, it really is a non-starter. And I yeah. would be the first person to say, someday we'll thank God as much for the prayers he didn't answer as the ones he did. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I'm omniscient, I'll let you know, but I wouldn't hold your breath. Like I, half the time, I don't know what to pray for. But then I would also say, if it is the will of God, now it's game on 
And now we've got to begin to pray with that boldness. But I do think it starts with your will, your way, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Like there's, this is a prayer that I think is a centering prayer. And Mm -hmm. it's about consecrating ourselves to the Lord. This is a little offshoot, but don't you always like when you get into God's word, you just hyperlink to other verses, right? Yes. And so, absolutely. you know, I think about Joshua 3, 5, where it says, consecrate yourself to the Lord and tomorrow he will do great things among you or amazing things among you. Like our job is not to do amazing things. Yeah. That's God's mm-hmm. job. That's right. Our job is to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. And I would say that means time, talent, treasure, past, present, future, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, can I consecrate all of those things to the Lord? Now it's game on. And so I think what I see Jesus doing here is like, Father, I consecrate myself. You know, you know best. Like, this is... This is going to be hard. I mean, he knows what's going to happen. That literally mocked, flogged, crucified in a matter of hours. But there's something powerful about this centering prayer. Yeah. And it's already hard, right? Like what he's experiencing in this passage is he's already in it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've read scripture long enough to know that when it uses phrases like deeply troubled or Mm -hmm. very heavy, like the King James says, that that doesn't mean I'm a little bothered. Mm -hmm. Like this was a, you know, like a deep emotional and even physical Mm -hmm. distress. And to see, even see that, the posture that Jesus takes in the experience as it already has begun Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. humbling. And that he invites his friends to pray with and for him. Insists. Insists. Hey, but really, I need you. I need you to pray for me and with me. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, then they fell asleep, right, Rachel? Yeah. 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 It's another reason I like to walk and pray. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. There's There's a power in that. Hey friends, interrupting this conversation really quickly to remind you that it is not too late to get your Advent books. Advent is a long season and we will spend five weeks in this series. So if you still want a book, go to shopshereadstruth.com and pick one up. Use fast shipping and we will get it to you as quickly as we can. But if you want it today, the great news is that you can also order a digital study book and download it immediately. Don't forget, there are all kinds of great Christmas gifts and Advent extras greeting card sets, 25 card sets, and some fantastic Kids Read Truth resources. Y'all are going to love them, and you'll find them all at shopshereadstruth.com. All right, back to the episode. The Tuesday reading, we're going to read in Genesis 18, where, you know, the Lord appears to Abraham and promises that Sarah is going to bear a son in her old age, and she says, as if that could happen, you know, and then they, so they have that whole conversation of, she laughed. I, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. So there's all of that. But after all of that, we read this conversation the Lord has with Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah and their wickedness. And Abraham is pleading for the Lord to spare 
these two very apparently wicked communities. And so there are so many instances of conversation um, between, you know, the Lord and Moses, the Lord and Abraham in Scripture. For some reason, this one struck me, I think, because, you know, Scripture describes the Lord is like physically appearing. It's kind of mysterious the way it's worded, right? But it puts in my mind this image of two men, one of whom is not a man but the Lord, mm-hmm. um, talking, and it's a conversation, which is what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation. But I was convicted by this back and forth. Mm. And I don't know what was unique about this passage <laughs> in like all of the examples of the Lord speaking to people in the Old Testament, but Abraham is speaking with such a boldness to God mm-hmm. in this passage. And he's mm-hmm. saying things like, like there's phrases where I'm just going to start. This is Genesis 18. He says in verse 23, Abraham stepped forward. So first of all, he's standing up in front of the Lord. He stepped forward and said, will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people who are in it? You could not possibly do such a thing. These are bold things to say to the God of creation. (laughs) And then it's funny because Abraham acknowledges this down in verse 27. Abraham answered, since I have ventured to speak <laughs> to my Lord, and I'm like, yeah, you got to. I mean, I kind of want to be like, Abraham, watch yourself. Mm-hmm. But also, isn't yep. this the way that Scripture calls us? We can approach the throne with boldness. That's, That's right. what Hebrews says. Yeah. Yep. I think it's the juxtaposition of humble boldness or bold humility. Take your pick. Yeah. I think those two things and... One of my kind of go-to verses, especially as it relates to leadership, is Job eleven six. true wisdom has mm-hmm. two sides. The truth is found in the tension of opposites. And so, like, humility, absolutely. But I would also rebuke false humility. And that's yeah. believing that you're anything less than who God says you are. You're the image of God, the apple of God's eye, more than a conqueror, his workmanship. So false humility can be as destructive as pride. Mm. And so I do think my self-confidence, I would probably say it's below average, but my holy confidence is mm. off the mm-hmm. chart. And those are two different things. Self-confidence, you know, the locus of confidence is in yourself and what you can pull off. But holy confidence, the locus of it is in the promises of God and the character of God. And so no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen in Christ. And then the character of God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so there again... I believe that if we do what they did in the Bible, God's going to do what he did. And, you know, you have to translate that through circumstances. I'm not talking in a uh, abracadabra kind of way, but Hmm. I just, God's power is not diminished. His outstretched arm is as long as it ever was. His power and his wisdom is as true and as real as it ever was. And so let's just believe the God of the Bible and trust that. And so, 
man, that's so, yeah, that conversation, it's almost a negotiation. It is. Yeah. Abraham, it, God, it feels like it. Yeah. I would say, I don't think God, one, is nervous. Right. And two, I don't think God is intimidated. Mm-hmm. Like, no. I think yeah. all authority in heaven and on earth is his, the earth is his footstool. So maybe we could afford to get a little bit more honest in our conversations with God and get a little bit more bold. Yeah, I think you're right. Another one of those tensions that you're describing, I love how you're just, unbeknownst to you, you're just segueing us beautifully from one to the next here. But on day 10, on Wednesday, we read another, this is another sobering passage in Jeremiah chapter 20, And the thing that I think you all, as you read this this week, will see is on one hand, you get Jeremiah's prayer. It's a lament. Like it is, it is sorrowful. There are no rose colored glasses here. Like he is speaking things as they are and it's, it's not good and it's hard. And so he's being honest. Like what, you know, this where we've said, you know, we've talked several times on this podcast in various different studies that we've done that Scripture gives us permission to bring our whole selves to God mm-hmm. in prayer. That in the prayer, you know, in the Psalms, for example, we see the whole array of human emotion present in Scripture. And so we can be honest. And you see that in what Jeremiah prays. And the tension being there's that, but there's also this trust in God and in His character and in His promises. And so I think, you know, that is another place where we can struggle is to not just how to hold both of those in our faith, but how to hold both of those in our prayers. Mm. Yeah. Verse 10 is so fascinating of Jeremiah 20. The KJV says, I heard the defaming of many, fear on Hmm. every side, Like, is that the 6th century BC or is that 2022? Right, (laughs) You know, where it's such an interesting cultural moment that I I feel like I want to ask this question at this juncture. What percentage of your thoughts, words, and actions are a regurgitation of the social media you follow and the media Mm -hmm. you watch? And what Mm. percentage of your thoughts, words, and actions are a revelation that you're getting from God's word. That's why I love podcasts so much. I I love your hearts behind it because if we don't get a word from God, we got to make sure that the loudest voice is not the loudest voice. (laughs) That Uh it's the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. But I love verse nine. If we back up the bus a little bit and it says, his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I, come on, God raise Uh up a generation of people who have some fire shut up in their bones. I am always praying Psalm 119, Lord, your word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. God, would you quicken your word 11 times in Psalm 119, quicken, quicken that it is Hmm. living and active. Yeah, And so- You know, it almost comes down to we weren't meant to just read the Bible. We were meant Mm -hmm. to pray it and meditate it and obey it. And that's really, you know, I have this simple kind of theory of maturity 
that when you first encounter a verse of scripture, it is a theory. Like you haven't experienced it yet, but Mm -hmm. then you start to obey it and pray it and live it. Well, now it's not theory. Now it's testimony. And eventually verse by verse, as we read the word, scripture becomes our script cure becomes our narrative. Even Mark, what you said about like that the first time we read something, our first encounter with scripture, it's theory. And, you know, something that we talk about sometimes is just the exercise of encountering a scripture, reading it, and then asking, do you believe this is true? Hmm. And like, and then even just the act of answering that going, I believe this is true. It's this statement of faith. It's this like, yes, Lord, and like use this to teach me, rebuke me, correct me, train me. But it's taking from theory into fact for our own lives. It's helping us embody and believe what we're reading. Yeah. So the end of this, I'm just giving you all some spoilers as you're going to read this week. You get to spend Thursday and Friday in Acts, which is really fun. Yeah. We'll get to read a little bit of Hebrews, which is Uh sweet because, Mark, we just finished reading through the book of Hebrews as a community, Uh which was, you know, it was bewildering and also like high five inducing. It was all of those things. Uh It was so fun. So I think we're hitting on like a theme in this conversation where there's so much about prayer that is a both and. Mm-hmm. And like we talked with with Tyler a lot last week about the mystery of prayer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and some of those mysteries being kind of painful <laughs> in our here and now of not knowing why prayers aren't answered the way that that we know God has the power to answer them. And so I think that one of the things that we're kind of uncovering in this conversation is that there's more than one, I'm going to say reality, but hang with me, to be mindful of here. And that is like the reality that we're living in. You know, we just talked about Jeremiah and just how dismal things were. But there's also, so there's our circumstances, right? And our emotions or illness, like these real things that are in our world and in our lives. And there's also, like you alluded to at the beginning of the conversation, Mark, there's a kingdom reality that Mm. we can't Mm -hmm. see all of. We get glimpses of it. And so I think one of the things that's difficult in prayer is to keep our feet planted in both of those truths, that like we're in a fallen world and we are ambassadors for the gospel and Jesus is making all things new and there will be a day when all things are made new. And, you know, there is this other realm that we can only have glimpses of right now. So as we're kind of wrapping and we've got another, you know, if we're listening to this on a Monday, our friends have another two weeks to read about prayer, to Mm -hmm. think about prayer, encourage us about connecting those two really large dots (laughs) of our right now life and our, you know, place in the kingdom of God. Mm. Yeah. I'll come at it from a couple of different angles The first thing I would say is that sometimes the circumstances we're asking God to change are the very circumstances God is using to change us. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Let's be really careful. Does prayer change things? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No doubt. I have seen God give favor. In fact, one of the prayers I've prayed thousands of times for my kids is Luke 2.52. May you grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. 
And so yeah. there are prayers I pray all the time and, and prayer does change things, but really it's more about changing us. And what's beautiful to go all the way back to Matthew 26, where it says, watch and pray. That word yeah. watch in Greek is this acute awareness of what's happening, kind of a hyper alertness. And mm-hmm. so I really think what prayer does is it sanctifies the reticular activating system at the base of the brainstem that determines what we notice and what goes unnoticed. And mm. so the way prayer affects neuroanatomy, only science, science will catch up, <laughs> not fully, but it will catch up to kind of the yeah. miracle of prayer. But I think part of it is it's seeing through eyes of faith and hearing through ears of faith and prayer just kind of elevates our game. Mm-hmm. So we discern those promptings so that then we experience those divine appointments. But the one thing I would kind of say here at the end to almost level the playing field is prayer is less about me combining the 26 letters of the English alphabet into the right words and more about just God hears my heart and I'll make it very personal when my father-in-law passed away many years ago, it was just a, a shock, died of a heart attack, and we were grieving. And yeah. as we were grieving, there's a physiological response where you sigh. And sighing, mm-hmm. almost like tears, is a gift from God. It allows you to grieve and lament and experience these emotions that are hard, but you have to process them. And that's when I came across Psalm Five one, when David says, Oh Lord, consider my sighing. Mm. I would argue that sighing is a prayer language. Mm. And if you said, you know, Mark, come on, like back that up a little bit more. I would immediately go to Romans 8 and say that the spirit of God himself, long before you woke up today, long after you go to sleep, is interceding for you with groanings that can't be put into words. The Spirit of God is groaning and sighing for you. And I would then add, Jesus is our advocate to the Father. So come on, friends, two-thirds of the Trinity are interceding to the other third of the Trinity on your behalf. And so if that doesn't give you a little bit of holy confidence, I don't know what will. And so prayer to land the plane, prayer <laughs> prayer is uh, the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. It's the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. It's the difference between letting things happen and making things happen. Prayer is writing history before it happens. And so take heart. Let's take this challenge personally from Jesus. You know, could you not tarry one hour? Let's be the people yeah. that watch and pray and then stand back and watch God do what he does. If we show up, God has a way of showing off. And what a joy just to lean into this prayer idea and yes. uh, and even more specifically, pray the Bible. There's a power in it. There's a confidence in yes. it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's so good. It's so encouraging and challenging at the same time, Mark. And I think really, really helpful. And like you said, like, 
you know, prayer changes us. Mm-hmm. Like we do believe, and the Bible teaches that it changes circumstances. We read that this week, that verse from James 5, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Mm-hmm. That's from the Bible. Mm-hmm, <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not from Amanda or mm-hmm. Mark or Rachel. And a lot of that effect is in our own hearts. Like we'll read on Friday from Acts 4 about Peter and John and Verse 13 says, When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men who were teaching them, that's what's happening right now, Mm -hmm. they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And that's prayer. That's part of prayer as being with Jesus and being shaped Mm -hmm. by Jesus. I want that. I know. (laughs) You know? I know, yes. I want that. Mm. Mark, thank you so much for just really generously sharing your hard-earned wisdom on this subject. You're teaching us about prayer as a man who very evidently spends a lot of time doing the thing that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. So we're just really grateful grateful for you and for you joining us. And Rachel, we get to do this one more week. I know, one more week. Next week we have Kelly Matthews joining us for Mm -hmm. week three. And then Mark, I don't know if you know this, but this airs mid-November, so it means that after next week, on November 27th, I don't think it's drumroll, I think it's Jingle Bells. Oh, Jingle Bells! Yes, Jingle Bell drumroll. And uh, Sunday, November 27th is the first Sunday of Advent, and so we will get going and begin our Advent series. Christmas time is almost here. I'm so excited. It's going to be great. Now, friends, before we go... If you have been encouraged to be a woman in the Word of God while listening to this podcast, would you rate and review to help other women find the show? We want nothing more than to grow this community and this movement of Bible readers around the world, and rating and reviewing the podcast is a way that you can help us do that. Mark, I can't thank you enough for joining us. This has been awesome. And of course, we will come back next week, but that doesn't mean that this is over. Friends listening, you are men and women invited to be in the Word of God every day this week, and men and women in prayer and in conversation with God every day this week. Find a time, find a place, make it happen. And we know that the Lord is not limited by our time and places and plans. We know that He will speak to us and compel us through His Spirit whenever He sees fit. And I'm so thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Let's be intentional people who shape our lives around what's important to us. And so our lives don't like find their way. Maybe there will be time in this day for the Lord. Now let's start our days that way. Let's be intentional. Let's get the big rocks in there first. I just want to encourage you as you go into this week, there's good scripture to be read and there's good communion to be had. And come back next week. We'll have episode three. And then until next week, Mark, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. Bibles.